July 11th, 2018. It's the Watt for Pedro Show.
Live from Pedro Show. Uh, happy Wednesday, people. Brother Matt, uh, back in uh, Croatia. Well, uh, not back. I mean, his grandpa came from there, so it's his first time visiting, but it's his family's land. And last week he was in uh, Italy, and now Croatia. And it's actually his first big Europe tour. So, Brother Matt, I'm with you in spirit. You're here in Pedro's spirit. I am not totally man alone, though, because of the engineering geniuses there in Estonia who brought us the Skype software. I got Carl from Grex with me for, uh, uh, in New York City he's calling from. Welcome aboard, Carl. Glad to be here. Yeah. I like your new record a lot. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, you did a great job. We heard uh, on Green Dolphin Street in the last tour John Coltrane did with Miles Davis in Europe. 1960, and then uh, from you guys, feeling squiddy. Uh, what's your earliest musical recollection, Carl? My earliest musical recollection? Um, well, when I was maybe in my early teens, I got preoccupied with psychedelic rock, like early 60s psychedelic rock, or mid-60s, so Hendrix and Cream, uh, Quicksilver Messenger Service, that sort of thing. But you weren't in your in the sixties. No, no, no. I'm way younger. So, <laughs> I'm uh, yeah. So I'm in my early thirties. I found this one when I was younger in the nineties, and um, I I shifted over to listening to jazz pretty quickly after that because I'd heard Jack Bruce and Cream talk about Ornette Coleman. So that's that's what I got interested in when I was younger. You knew about Jack Bruce talking about Ornette Coleman. Yeah. In the 90s. Okay. Yeah, in the 90s for me, I was a child. That's great. So. That's great. Uh, what about, tell me about the pad. Was there your parents listeners or music makers? No, actually, my parents were, um, uh, they were just Filipino immigrants, so neither of them had any concept of music because... Well, what about uh, Filipino music? <laughs> there was, uh, well, the cultural differences were such that there was this fetishization of of, um, of American culture. So it was all the Beatles and Santana okay. and Michael Jackson in the household. So there was no homegrown music in the home. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, because I know a little bit, because my pop was a sailor in Subic Bay, you know, Manila. Right on, yeah. So he many uh, trips there because of the Vietnam War thing. And so he would bring me things like plaques of Filipino knives. And uh, actually, he, he did give me some recordings. Uh, uh, of that music and uh, very interesting. I know. I know. Here in SoCal, we had a Filipino town. You know, those kind of things disappeared when people, you know, became part of the whole thing. You didn't really need. But I think we lost something in a way because, yeah, maybe stuff like that, like maybe, like in uh, where you grew up, if there was in clubs or stuff like that that played some. But the people want to assimilate, right? Yeah, the indigenous music is very beautiful, and there's a rich tradition. I've I've played with some musicians up in the Bay Area who are interfacing with that a bit. But yeah, um, in immigrant in immigrant culture, at least um, where where I came in, it was more to the side because yeah, there was this this, this very big push to assimilate and be a part of America. Actually, there was a lot of cats in Navy housing too. Uh, pops were sailors that I grew up with, but you're right. Yeah, everybody wanted to be with the, the up to day. Yeah, uh, I'm thinking too. Philippine had big influence with Spain, so maybe the guitar, right? Right. So there is a lot of guitar. 
Um, and in the pop music, there's a lot of Spanish inflection as well, even in the even in the various dialects. Okay, and but, so you, uh, how did you get introduced to the guitar? I I honestly I, I I wanted to play bass originally. I thought bass was a way more interesting instrument. Oh, Jack Bruce, yeah, okay. Jack Bruce, Not yeah. Eric also, Clapton. I mean, <laughs> Eric Clapton. But there, yeah, there's this. Um, I think Jack I, Bruce actually started on cello. He's a Scottish guy. Incredible influence on me. Yeah, I I was I as as I got older, I actually got way more interested in Jack Bruce's music because it's so idiosyncratic and weird. Yeah, it is trippy. One thing I read very nice what Eric Clapton said. He said Jack Bruce taught him to sing with his whole chest. Just oh, the diaphragm singing. Yeah, yeah, don't just keep it in the throat. You know, sing with your whole, you know, like a church or some shit. And I thought right, that was a good thing for Eric Clapton to say. Okay, so. Uh, you wanted to be a bass. Okay, uh, I'm trying to find out where music came in your life. Can you remember the first record you bought? Oh, geez. Uh, the first record I bought, um, being a child of the 90s, was a Beck album. Okay. <laughs> it was the album Odalay. It's a good one. But, yeah, so that was the first one I can remember. But then, you remember the first gig you went to? Yeah, it was Pharaoh Sanders, actually. Wow, he lived up there, right? Oakland. Yeah. Yeah, when I was, um, it was in uh, Catalina's, the old Catalina's, or not Ca- Catalina, yeah, Catalina's in Los Angeles, and I oh, went there Kawanga with my dad. in Hollywood, yeah, I seen Pharaoh yeah. there with Raymond Pettibone about 10, 15 times. Yeah, it was, a, it was for me, it was just this really it was submersive experience. I felt like I was getting inducted into something, because it was, it was just a weekday night, and I went there with my dad, who um, was also sort of uninitiated in the music. And uh, Pharaoh started the concert. He was playing soprano. He moved from the back of the room around me to get to the stage. And I just didn't know what he looked like at the time. I'd only heard him on records. Um, and it was just, he had this tremendous sound. And I remember they played Cre- uh, The Creator as a Master Plan for 30 oh, yeah. minutes. And the audience was just screaming the entire time. It's just, I felt like this is this is what I want to do with my life. I saw a lot of gigs there. And you'd be so close, like you say. I remember one time, there's a side room there. He went into the side room. He's wearing three pairs of glasses. <laughs> and sunglasses and the the band was young guys, you know, and they didn't know what to do, you know. And the boss is in this room playing. You know. uh, he's a, he was a tripper though, and uh, still is. And you know, first embraced by Sun Ra and then John Coltrane, and he's still here with us, still going. I think he lives yeah. in SoCal now. Uh, what about school? Did you t- take any music classes like a harmony or chorus or a school band or that shit? I took several years of private guitar lessons with this guy out in Los Angeles, Chris Kenny. I think he was Eddie Money's guitar player, so it was a weird connection. But um, I didn't do a lot of formal uh, schooling in high school. I was more preoccupied with sort of, you know, how free jazz... I was huge in a free jazz. I still am, obviously, but I was huge in a free jazz when I was younger, and I just felt like I wasn't... I couldn't get that kind of education in high school. Um, which was, like, I guess, my fault. I, sh- I probably should have gotten some more formal training earlier on. But um, when I went to college, I went to college at UC Berkeley, and then I went to grad school at Mills. And that took up... I got a lot of my formal training on the job there and playing gigs. How did you make the switch? Did you ever get a bass at first? No. I just I picked up guitar, and it just took up so much of my time. Okay, but in I- your mind, you wanted to do bass. You actually didn't do bass. Okay. Uh uh, yeah, they're they're kind of different. Who's that guy up there in the city? Charlie Hunter. He play. I, he's got bass and guitar going on the same instrument, right? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here, I want to play uh, TM Twenty Six. Curious title. 
מלמד אותי את הדברים החשובים באמת. לברק את התקרה של האכסניה ולחפש למעלה סמים ברווח שבין גג לגג. מצאנו. מישהו היה מספיק נדיב ולא מספיק מסומם כדי להשאיר אותם. אני רוצה לחשוב, בקרמה, לנו, מוחבאים כמו נשק חם. ניר מלמד אותי מה חשוב באמת. LSD מורידים עם שורה קוקאין. רעידות של אקסטזי עם הרבה מסטיקים. עדיף לבלוע אופיום מאשר לעשן אותו. כשאתה גמור באמת, לך תשתין ביער, זה מאפס. ומשפחה. הכי חשוב זה משפחה. אני אוהב שהירח קורס על המרפסת וניר שוכב בארסל כמו באמפת חלב. מרביץ בי הלכה. לפני כל טיסה תנקה את המבחנה עם חלב חם. אתה לא רוצה להסתבך עם המחלקה. אף פעם. אל תשתה מבקבוק מים פתוח. alone through the primeval past various light posts signifying ways to doom who walks alone through the outer reaches where the bare limits are cast off alone and cold who walks solo and bold who really walks alone who walks the wide ways who sails on a lonely plane crying out for company but you're never alone who cares for you when you are alone who walks there beside you Whenever it is possible, who really believes in you when many just laugh, who knows the power of one who walks alone, who waits to ascend to the very throne. If you only knew, you never walk alone. Know now the power of your one-on-one to the bone. Know where you really are and what is shown. Who walks alone? You called it I had not seen it But when you showed me I could not unsee it When you
for Pedro show this is take two which I hate fucking doing but I didn't hit the record button people we heard uh, 
TM26 from Grex, uh, 45 Spider Fighter Cave, Yamate Alex Zhang Huntai, Near Teaches Me Farther South, Joe Brewer with Who Walks Alone, Anthems of the Void, Last Records of the Lost Herd, and Final Quicksilver, Grex. And we're getting to this, uh, into call here before college, but while he's in high school and grade school, and uh, did he have like, you know, the garage band, bedroom band after school thing? Oh, yeah, there was a little bit of that. I, my, my hugest thing was that there was a, there was a big jazz scene around Central Avenue um, in Los Angeles. And, you mean um, the old days? 50s. Yeah. You're talking about the old days. That's when there was two unions. <laughs> right, no, that was like way before my time. But yeah, the before Watt's time, too. <laughs> are, you, you're, I'm, yeah, uh, are you familiar with Horace Tapscott? Of course, uh, I saw him many times. I've seen him do, because uh, he used to run the Watts uh, Jazz Festival. With right, Man, those guys Moran are my heroes. Bass. Incredible. Uh, uh, actually, he had two other guys. I can't remember their name, but he had three bass guys on stage. And you know, the giant has arisen, and uh, he he had a wife, right? She had a club called Marla's Memory Lane. It's called Martin Luther King now, but it used to be Santa Barbara Boulevard. Raymond took me to all these places. You know, I got to see these older cats. Uh, incredible. But Central, I, I thought that was more fifties. Oh yeah, way way yeah. earlier. It's just the the people who kind of came from there. I know. I think uh, so. Billy Higgins started a club out near Le Merritt Park, and well, I would. Oh, okay. Now I know about that, Carl, because I worked at Forty Third and Crenshaw. This club oh, was called the Total uh, Total Experience. Le You're Mert right Park, in there, man. And actually, Le Merritt Park is Crenshaw. It's west of the freeway, where well, the Watts stuff. And Central Avenue. That's east of the Harbor Freeway. That's more Watts. This is called. Well, the big code word is South Central, right? Big fucking racist tag. But there's right. kind of Crenshaw, which was a Brims, Pyru. They became Blood. Uh, and then the the blue guys were Crips. I mean, that was just, it's every block or whatever. Uh, as far as that, but as uh, it's black Los Angeles. But there was right. an east side and a west side. So little difference, you know, uh that's interesting. You know about this stuff, though. Well, the history and geography I'm not super up on. I just know about the guys who kind of came out of it. Billy Higgins, uh, you know, incredible cat play with Ornette, but also Miles. And, and I saw him at Catalina Man. If Billy, Billy picked you, you were going to be the guy he's going to look at the whole kick, like your own personal kick. He's just beautiful, man. Yeah, man, I love that guy's playing. Yeah, beautiful. He's on that live, that one side live monk, one live Miles, straight no chaser. That, that that's Billy. With yeah, that Miles, because yeah, usually he had Philly Joe Jones, right? But but yeah. these guys, uh, they were interested in community. You know what I mean? It was really trippy. They wanted to bring up, you know, so a lot of these guys. Because I ask about the schools, they came up through the schools. Guys like uh, Eric Dolphy, even Charles Mingus. You know, Red Collander sh show these guys bass and. Uh, showed him bass and uh, coming up. God, uh, I was reading this book on Eric Dolphy. His daddy built him a practice pad in the backyard. Yeah, he had a practice. He had a practice room like out in his bed. Yeah, so he could practice undisturbed. Yeah, I don't think people realize that that music was serious community stuff. It wasn't just something to get high and be crazy shit like that. I mean, it was a serious thing. And I, I draw big inspiration from these guys because they were. You know, minority, okay. But minority, same way, uh, part of the movement, me, D. Bloom, Georgie were part of, you know. 
and you just uh, you build in from community, and that was really important. And uh, when Raymond turned me on to this saying, so that's interesting. And how, and how'd you find out about this by reading? I actually my my I by reading and my sister's ex boyfriend's dad, who I he would always tell me these stories. He saw Ornette at the Five Spot. He saw Albert okay. Eiler out in New York. All these he was he was stationed out there like in the in the early 1960s. So he would tell me about this stuff, and I'd go seek it out. What like and a sailor? Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because Clint Eastwood, you know, that's how he got, that's why he made that movie. Right, Bird? John, I did not realize Yeah, because that. he, that's some of the guys that would come to the clubs were sailors because they'd be open all night, you know, and uh, these guys, yeah, playing avant-garde music for sailors. But that's it good. makes a lot of sense if you look at the big picture. Uh, I, I find that, I find it really cool, though, that you went and searched that out. That's important. Yeah. I was I was hungry for that. That was the kind of community that I I, I felt like I wasn't necessarily getting where I was coming from music wise, and but I would you, find later on I think. But you said there was stuff outside of school. That some cats turned on to this stuff. No, I mean it was just all older people. I just oh, learned it from okay. much older friends. Yeah. But did you do like the garage band? You know, doing the you know Blue Oyster Cult, the Alice Cooper songs, or stuff like that. Oh yeah, I mean, like definitely, I had friends like a, li- a little bit of that, but I, I don't, I couldn't find anyone who was actually interested in free music, which was right, what I was right. really preoccupied with. See, which was really good, I think. From uh, we were lucky being seventies punk because there was some of that stuff, like pop group, you know, wild stuff coming from this movement that was totally anarchistic, you know. Yeah. In fact, I thought John Coltrane actually was an old punk. Yeah, I didn't know he was dead. Raymond played me, uh, you know, um, not Ohm, but uh, Ascend, Ascension, and right. it uh, just blew just... my mind. I mean, I thought, you know, I I, I came from Navy, Navy House and I didn't know anything about this stuff, and it and it just seemed to go with the germs and nervous gender, you know, up in Hollywood. For me, you know, yeah, I know that sounds like polar opposites, but. Same thing with the art stuff and Woody Guthrie and Walt Whitman. It all like came together for me in those 70s years and the people I met. So that's interesting. Uh, see, that's why I try to tell people about the movement that never really, if, as long as you don't put a genre, a tag on it, it, it can keep living because it's just a state of mind, you know? Yeah, I think that's a huge thread for people of my age group or even even a little older. Everyone comes through all those different styles of music and it feels like a, like one thing. Carl, you said you went to Berkeley, you know, Cal, right? Yeah. Well, did you ever think about the East Coast and that other Berkeley? I did, but it was more, I mean, not to be too far away from my family. I also yeah. got, I was I was really invested in the idea of political activism. I actually have a policy minor. Oh, um, but yeah, I shifted, I shifted over to music because it just, it felt slightly more real and vivid to me, you know, for obvious reasons. But yeah, you sure got a knack for it. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, tell me about the Grex. Yeah, this band was was formed at Mills. My um, I had been studying with Roscoe Mitchell of the Art Ensemble. Sure, wow, and Fred Frith, and those were my main guys, and they were they terrified me to now, this what, day. What like, band did he have with that guy Tom? That guy, Tom? Yeah, Tom, he died early of some weird disease, and he was incredible. He could play a bass with a drumstick and a kick drum. I think it was called Massacre Crew, or 
Oh, um, uh, Tom, some with the C. Tom Cora, Skeleton Crew. That's it. What an incredible musician! God, did he leave too soon? Yeah, that band was amazing. We, I mean, the now we're using this two kick drum thing live, and a little bit of that is is a debt to Skeleton Crew. I mean, we asked Fred about it, so he was okay with it. Okay. He was with this lady for a while in Tokyo named Tenko. Incredible. Uh, now I think she just uses her voice. But incredible musician. And I first heard him in Henry Cow. Right, yeah. All the album covers that have some kind of sock. <laughs> I, yeah, I've never asked him about that, but I, yeah. <laughs> okay, so you're studying with uh, Fred and Roscoe. I'm studying with Fred and Roscoe, and it's these really deep dive, intricate, um, involved studies of improvisation as an art. And, you know... Both of them could be taskmasters in very different ways. Roscoe is more of like, he's just a strong didact and he's really big on work and really big on effort. And Fred is more is more inquisitive in trying to get you to disassemble what you're playing and all that. And um, it was just really tense. And so I would I would come home from studies with them, um, and I would I was my now wife then girlfriend. I would just ask her like, Hey, do you want to play? And we would just write we would just write dumb songs, you know, about Star Wars or something like that. And it, it gradually, it became the situation which I felt like I could play guitar most naturally because I could do the things that I was kind of told not to do during the day. And that's that's how that band evolved. Kind of a release. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, I think those guys were probably doing it with best intentions, you know. Oh, of course. Yeah. I learned so much from those guys. Fred, Fred is actually, Fred's been a huge supporter of Grex. And I, I, I think it's because he recognized a bit of you know, having both sides of really just playing and really studying as well. Yeah. Do you remember the first Grex gig, or, or was it just for recording at first, right, just for fun? Or oh, I think our, our first gig was my thesis concert. It was it was weird. Whoa. <laughs> but um, uh, it was it was the one thing in the middle of all of these like really intense free improvisations and modern jazz pieces. We just threw this rock band, and it it just it felt right. It felt natural. Yeah, that's always scary, huh? You know, the big joke is Thelonious Monk would have never won the Thelonious Monk contest. I remember, uh, you know, Perkins had this band, uh, Banyan, me and Nels was playing in, and we got invited to the Monterey Jazz Festival, and I was thinking, oh, man. So I said, fuck it, let's do Stooges Funhouse first. <laughs> All these guys are sitting in chairs wearing sweaters. Oh, and we go on after John Schofield. I thought people were going to hate it. And the boss <laughs> came up to us after, and he said, hey. All right, man. That was... That was a pants shooter, I'll tell you. <laughs> you never know. You know, it's so weird how music has gotten. So it, it's different. And I think, you know, it's the marketing man's dream because they want these genres and all this. But f for people really involved with the expression, it's really difficult. you got to navigate the right tag with the right bin, with the right, you know what I mean? It's yeah, ridiculous. no, totally. It's tough. Yeah, so I think maybe by you throwing in that band, that there, there was something in that uh, way you presented yourself that you weren't doing it in the other ways. And even though, yeah, maybe a little cornier, a little dumber in, in some academic way, no, it was actually a vessel for to bring something out in you, maybe. The other things brought out things, too, but this, I think that's why it, it kind of worked. Yeah, I appreciate that. I, yeah. that. That's how, I mean, that's you, you, you verbalized it in a really nice way. That's kind of how I feel about it. 
All right. Look, we're at the end of the first hour, June, uh, July 11, 2018. Edition of Pedro Show special guest, Carl from Grex. Hold tight for hour two. July 11, 2018 is the second hour of the Watt Pedro Show. Mal and Luma, Mal and Luma
Pedro Show. 
Start the second hour off with Mal and Luma. Rex, is that about a video game? Well, that, those are uh, those are about our pet rats. We keep okay. pet- Thank God, something real. Okay. <laughs> and then uh, Nels Klein with a brand new thing. Uh, a guy from Bay Area, uh, um, Scott Almadon. 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 Aladoma. Amadola, Amadola, Amadola. Sorry, Scott. He's a great drummer man, and him and uh, Nels has a new project called Stretch Woven. <laughs> totally great stuff, man. Scott. Those guys are my heroes. Scott's Scott has actually been very generous with me in terms of uh, in terms of playing and spending time. That guy's a great guy. Yeah, well, well, I know him from the Singers, and now they've got this new project, Stretch Woven. And then we heard uh, Carla Boslich with uh, Lazy Crossbones. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, of course, they made music. Uh, Alan Ravenstein with Shoot This Dog. He was on the show the other big hero of mine from Perubu, you know. Yeah. Uh, Guided by Voices, another new album. <laughs> uh, Daily Get-Ups. And finally, Quincy Grex. I played with a band here last month called Cat Scan, and the bass player was named Quincy. <laughs> and I remember in the old days, what was his name? Jack Klugman. He had a TV show where he played like a corner. And this is in the 70s, you know, when the movement started. And so, like, a lot of series would have the one punk show. And there was a Quincy, you know, one where somebody's killing somebody in the pit because they're drugged up or something. And he, of course, the coroner solves the crime. And so there was this kind of name you would give to, like, a, a weekend punk, a fake punk. He'd be a Quincy punk. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's just... That's how it's kind of weak when you get too topical because the, the time leaves you by. It has no reference. So, uh, so uh, after after your thesis, <coughs> what Grex do? Uh, a lot of your recordings were home recordings, right? We did a lot of. I mean, that was the the landscape of of making music from from when I started doing it on a professional level was just nothing like what I'd been told it was. I mean the the accessibility of 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 getting things printed. I think I'd imagine it's significantly easier now than it was maybe twenty years ago, thirty oh, years ago. Geez, you, you would not believe it. It's not all bad new days because there's some things got way more econo. And you, you said the weird the p word professional. I mean you can have that in your pad. You can and uh, yeah. And I remember a day you know when you. You know, for a major label, fifteen hundred dollars a day you're paying somebody, and you don't own any of that stuff. Yeah, that's rough. <laughs> you know, like, I don't, people I feel talk like, about the good old days. I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah, people of my age group, I feel like it's not. I feel like a lot of us don't even think about that because it's never really been that that much of a question, or we've never we've never had to, to fight those kinds of battles. I feel like our battles are a little different, maybe. Yeah, but that's know. okay. I think the material battles. If you're going to have to pick your fights, I'd rather pick the fight with the creative battle zone than the material one, you know? Sure, yeah. definitely. So, uh, but yeah, that's always going to be the problem, but maybe it's a problem that shouldn't be solved, huh, being creative? <laughs> I don't know. So, uh, when it came to releasing stuff, because I noticed, you know, up on your website, so you, a lot of, how, how did that go? When was it time... To, uh, things to come out as an album or did you go in thinking all oh, this is going to be an album I, I mean I just I guess this is part of the whole DIY aesthetic like when we started I don't think we had any real idea of what we were doing 
yeah. we just kind of did it. Like the first record we we recorded that was just two piece, just keyboard and guitar. We we booked a room from ten to two a.m. two nights in a row and just played clean through. And the forty minutes of the record was just edited from that. So, oh, like Miles yeah. smiles and uh, on the corner. Yeah, you, you don't hear like the screaming and like the chairs falling over and things like. That. <laughs> All right, All right. but that's that, that's an interesting thing to do because you know maybe people don't deserve so much filler. Why why not edit? Oh, I'm uh, when it comes to that kind of stuff, I'm all into economy. Yeah. Like you, we're on like we're on tour now. We you see someone do like a 20, 30 minute set. Sometimes that's all it is. Sure. You know? Uh, but what about you know? There is sense of tune with your new album. I get a sense of tune. Like in terms of composition, or yeah, in terms that's of, what I meant. That's what I meant. Oh, this this new album was was deeply structured. That music has been. That music, I think we've been workshopping live before it was recorded for maybe three years. We've been very, we've been kind of just putting out what we had at intervals for the previous records. This one was a long period of going, okay, going stick on stage. It was all workshop. So yeah, it was a contrast. Tell me about this tune, Martha. I want to play Martha. It's a, it's about actually my bandmates way better at giving the the Martha blur, but it's about the last of the passenger pigeons. Um, oh wow. Yeah, I remember reading about that. That that's what her name was. Damn. Yeah, it's it's kind of dark. They were apparently they'd be in these gigantic flocks that would blot out the sky when they came overhead. You'd apparently have to run indoors because just the droppings would just cover you <laughs> if you're out in the street. And I, I love to, I love statues of military men getting pigeon shit on your Let's well, listen to Martin.
How does it feel, Martha? To be frozen in time.
you know, there's always this thing about the Latin writers. Oh, they're always in the mystical and no, they're good writers. Luis Borgia. In fact, I think Mr. Borgia was kind of into uh, Mr. Joyce but, and Mr. Dante too, Alighieri. Uh, we heard Martha from Grex and Moldoman after that with Ron Institut Instituto No with New Cathedrals. <laughs> that a coincidence. Lucy Lee with Mondays, Black Lips with We Know, and Transpiration. Grex, tell me about Transpiration. That's a journey. Yeah, the, the saxophonist at the beginning, a good friend of mine, uh, Louis Jordan, he was uh, he was in this band United Front, which recorded for FMP in the 1970s. They're sort of like an art ensemble of Chicago-styled um, band, but they're part of this older wave of Bay Area musicians, many of whom are still around. Um, and they're sort of under-recognized just because the, the press doesn't get out of this area sometimes about some of the locals. But um, yeah... The, that I mean, all of these songs in some way, shape, or form are maybe about depression or, you know, confronting legacy and things like that. And it was nice to have, like, this little bit of brevity at the beginning. And then just the thing just turns into this, you know, caterwauling shred fest. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good way to put it. Just, so it's, it's, a, it's a process of movement of, um, uh, again, I'd have to get my wife in here for the specifics. But, it's yeah, it's a process. It's a process of motion. Oh, let's get into the process. Like for this, this this structured album here, uh, did Ray write a lot of the words? Um, the, it was it was pretty even. I, I wrote some of the stuff that she sang. Um, some of the other things that she sang, she wrote, but I wrote a lot of the lyrics. The tra- like these concepts, like transpiration, yeah. it's it's just it's water movement through plants, and so a lot of those scientific all terms, comes from her uh, work. Yeah, okay, yeah. okay. That's neat about her working that in. Uh, D. Boom would really dig that. <laughs> You gotta make it part of your art. <laughs> make your work part of your art. That's she, he would love that uh, idea. Um, so, when did you start this tour? Uh, we started this tour. Uh, I want to say maybe three weeks ago. We started in Sacramento. Sacramento. Um, so I'm thinking New York City is like the halfway mark, maybe. This is maybe the tail end of our East Coast, and then we're, we've, we've driven cross-country, and we're going to be heading back in a second. Yeah. But we played um, Boston yesterday, um, Providence before that. So you're in New England, okay. That would be always like the turnaround part for our tours, you know. Right, coming back. We, we, didn't, we didn't really plan for the drive, so. Is it sweaty? It's pretty, it's pretty warm, a little, a little humid, actually. I was there two weeks to record with Raymond Pettibone, and man... Whew. But we had some uh, little stokers here in SoCal the last few days, but nothing compared to that. Uh, you know, we're spoiled in California. But we drove through the Southwest, and it was over a hundred pretty consistently. Yeah, but at least dry. That yeah, humid I mean, stuff is what saps almost all the energy I got. You know, and it can be like seventy. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just yeah. whoa, and and not really a north-south thing. It's like. East of the Rockies or West? Because Montreal, oh my God, I don't know if you've been there in the summer. No, is it? It's. I'm assuming it's pretty bad. Yeah, and like winter, it just it's moisture it carries heat in and out. Look, we're at the end of the second hour of uh, July 11, 2018 edition. Watt for Peter show special guest Carl from Grex. Hold tight for hour three. July 11, 2018, as third hour of the Watt for Pedro show. Mm-hmm. 
马粮草，立马就是爷娘有钞票。辣海一个眼里，我不是个男人，没房子就等于没长胸肌，没钞票。就算过没长气气，侬现在过了好吗？你也是真心对侬好，我里一天在到处钞票，让侬身上长长做人的味道。嘲笑，只在乎马上。
sensation. Second verse is like the first, but the words are rearranged. Completely different, not the same. drummer Sly Randolph he was playing this kit and we we brought up the story about Eddie Moore dying on stage and he's like yeah this is the kit he died on whoa yeah and he was just I mean it was it was just this real die by the sword moment because he's like yeah you know you pick up the kit that he played on and just you're playing it at gigs you know a couple several years later Warren Marsh you know tenor player Raymond took me to see a bunch of times he died playing and he was doing this song out of this world Right. That's a perfect one to go out on, right? That's a <laughs> I saw a bitchin' gig with him, with no drummer man. Tootie Heath was playing like a rain stick. Yeah. And uh, Tal Farlow and Warren Marsh. Three, you know, not your typical thing. And they put together a bad gig. It was in the lounge of the Hilton Hotel, you know, where Led Zeppelin, what they call it, the Riot House or... You know that one on Sunset? Yeah, Dezo's daddy was b- booking jazz gigs there at one point in the late 80s. And anyway, uh, yeah, round. Uh, we start the third hour with Round Trip from Grex. From China, PK-14, 1984, Part 1, the top floor circus, 5 million. And these guys live in China, but they're law-wise. Um, poor Benny, I got to play with him last week in Strong Beach. And finally, Saints, Grex. So, Round Trip and Saints, give us some insight. Uh, Round Trip, I, I mean, thematically, that song is a little bit about the difficulty of coming to terms with them, um, just traveling to see family. Yeah. And, you know, uh, there's a, a lot of family strife embedded in some of our personal lives. And so it's just kind of dealing with that, but also attempting to be positive. I'd, I'd, you know, I, I'd, I'd rather let <laughs> that might be best to speak well, about. I think it's cool. 
if you don't even want to talk. Some people say, what? I want the song to do the talking. No, yeah, totally. I'm, I'm totally into that. Like, John Coltrane names his song Alabama. There's no lyrics. You get a feeling. <laughs> yeah, the lyricism's all in the saxophone. Yeah, so I can understand if you don't want to explain too much. Don't worry, Carl. I just said some insight. Now, you don't have to give it, you know, no cap crunch decoder ring thing. <laughs> decoder ring. <laughs> and Saints? Saints is Saints is just about, so there's this just this crippling burden of kind of doing something new and dealing with, I had, oh. I had so many nights of just like kind of being up late listening to Sonny Chirac or Albert Eiler. Oh, I got or to play with him. I got to meet and rap with him. Great um, Sonny yeah. Chirac? In Buffalo, New York. It was after them riots and a weird gig that happened. I would have, was, what was so weird about it? Uh, because it, it was uh, it was going to be a festival at a school, but they canceled it because of riots 2,300 miles away. Someone pulled a fire alarm. They thought the same thing had happened. So oh, I said, they paid me the money, and I said, look, man, if you're going to pay us, you should get a gig going. So they found a gay disco, and we had a gig there. Ika Mouse, Sonny Chirac. Uh, I was with no. I think it was Blackgate Nelson. Uh, yeah, and he was very kind to me. And, uh, and look, there is the burden of this. I know what you're talking about, the avant-garde. And you know, I, I know people from the Lower East Side. You know, the John Zorn thing, like Sam Bennett, for example, great cat. He lives in Tokyo now. And what happens? Just like you know, no blue notes, right? No fucking flat thirds. You know? Right. But what happens? That becomes a shtick in its own self. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. Here's the big challenge. You know, you could write a very original novel and not invent one new word, or you can invent all the words and it'd be like Finnegan's Wake. You know, kind of hard to read. <laughs> but this, I think, this is always the dilemma of uh, wanting to be different. When, it's, it's, when the reality is, if you look at your thumb print, you are different. Well, that's the way we use the arts to try to prove this physical reality. Mm. But we do share lots in common at the same time. So there's the dangling duality. My opinion. Yeah, I like that. Okay, what about this song, Husk? That, that, that song is actually, and we announce it from stage, about crippling depression. Wow. <laughs> do you know Silum Husks? Um, I, I mean... Not not much about. Yeah, but you're not yet. at that age yet, but <laughs> man, it's a lifesaver. It's just the husk of a grass that, when water hits it, it blows up like a sponge. So when it goes through your intestines, it just cleans you out. Cause you get all wrinkly there and shit. I do have some older family members who've talked to me. About them. <laughs>
thousands of years ago today. The giants moved, the treetops swayed, and now the baby sees the bones, touches flesh that's turned to stone. Some fur between the teeth.
Watch for people to show the last music for this uh, edition. Grex with Husk. And then the SS Bass Systems with Toyo Echo. Soto with Only Star. Yeah, I was thinking that because we lost Brother Steve Soto. He just did a gig. I think it was in Europe. Came home. The next day, visited his parents, took a nap, and never woke up. Oh, man. Beautiful man. Um, like we were talking about dying on stage, maybe that's another kind way, you know. Not to get morbid. But, uh, yeah, it's my antidote to the depression, right? Sort of like Ritalin. You just overload the system. <laughs> Bummers. Four-dimensional nightmare with my school and the bubbles and God. And finally, Mango Mango, Grex. This is the big fucking jam for the album, Mango Mango. Yeah, this is that's a long one. Yeah. So we have a baby nephew who just um he's super into fruits. They're living out they're living out in the forest, they're living out in Quincy. And um uh, uh, Quincy. Quincy, California. I know yeah. where that is. I played a gig there for a oh, bicycle no helmet company. Yeah, hey Watt, will you play our bicycle company's party? And it was in Quincy, and they were having a giant mountain bike race up in the mountain. It's kind of by Tahoe and shit, right? Yeah, it's it's like uh, it's about an hour and a half at Arena. Yeah, so that's the trip. Wow. Okay, so it ain't Quincy punks. <laughs> it's the town. Okay, so your nephew's eating mangoes. He's just there. They're in a fruits out there. They're in a sustainable living, and like that's just the that's just the psychology of forest living. And yeah. um, he's the he calls himself a fruitarian. He's four. And all he's doing is eating fruit. So he goes around just shouting mangoes and mangoes. <laughs> and um, it's kind of nice because you, yeah, you see sure. you this kid. And it's just everything's so terrible. And this kid's just like, hey, it's fine if I get some fruit. Yeah. So Values change. Huh? Yeah. It's interesting. It's a beautiful song. I mean, I love the album. And uh, I'm wondering about plants. About plants. Well, you got to get home from this tour. Yeah, the future Grex. We um, actually, over the, this album took so long to make that we have maybe, like, we have the material for another album already. But oh. it's one of those processes of um, figuring out what it would sound like in the studio. And, you know, the the workshop, the workshopping period for this last one was several years, so who knows. But, I mean, this this band works a lot. Like, we're, we're like, I'd like to think that we're big strivers. So something's bound to happen soon. I think you're big strivers. <laughs> Uh, where, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, well, you can find us. Our website is uh, www.grexsounds.com. Um, G-R-E-X-S-O-U-N-D-S, people. Grex. Oh, yeah. You know there's a dude from the city named Grux. Yeah. We talked about this I band, about uh, Rainbow Carolina. Well, it's always got a different last name, but it's Rainbow Carolina or Dump Truck or Rainbow Carolina. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I, the I known this the, kid from a young. Well, he's a man now, but I knew him as a younger man, like Minutemen days. Whoa! And when I saw, saw Grex, Grux came to my mind. <laughs> Actually, the, our drummer on on or the our drummer who plays with us um, on occasion, Robert, he's on the record, was going to be the drummer for Carolina. I guess, or I guess that's a secret. I shouldn't say that. Oh, <laughs> no one knows. That's okay. everything I said was wrong. Okay. But. Uh, but oh, yeah, so that, that's right. I was going to ask you about that. Sometimes there's a third member, right? Yeah, Robert. Um, uh, he's actually he's very invested in the process of studying Brazilian percussion. So he's in and out. Sometimes, I mean, he could be. For for all I know, Robert is on a, on a different side of the world right now. Wow! But, Respect. 
they've got quite a tradition of that there. Incredible. Yeah. Man, even especially the north part of Brazil, man, it's some wild stuff, but the whole country, beautiful stuff. Uh, well, look, um, a little advice, somebody getting into music. Oh, for my part, I mean, at my age, if, if you're going to do it, you have to you have to stick with it. That's there, great advice. I like that. There's so many moments. I mean, just even on tour, you know, just the exhaustion of it. There's so many moments, if you're not prepared for it, where you just think, like, man, I could be doing something else. But if it's something that you love and it's something that's 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 in your blood, you just have to be insistent. You just have to make sure that you continue. I love that. It shows in your music. It's been a great honor to have you aboard. I hope you keep on keeping on. Safe seas to you. Really beautiful. Get back home safe and get that next record going, okay? I can't wait. And we'll talk about it when it comes out. Yeah. Okay. It's been uh, July 11, 2018 edition of Watt for Pedro Show. People, keep your powder dry.